0: Well, this morning we're going to get back into our study of what we have been dealing with the last several months on this subject of who is God. And as we get into the message this morning, I'm going to say this right up front so that you have been adequately warned. All right, If you do not give attention throughout this message, we're going to come to the close of the message and you will say, what in the world did he say? All right, So you've got to follow along, you've got to pay attention. And know that what we're dealing with this morning is a principle, all right? We're dealing with a principle that I hope to make some application with in the next few moments, and I hope that it will be a help to us, all right? So that being said, this morning I'd like to begin by telling you about a man that was introduced to our family almost 30 years ago. This man has remained to be a friend of our family, uh, more so of my parents than myself. But he also ended up being one of my high school football coaches. His name is David Gale. All right. Now, I know that name doesn't mean anything to you. I completely understand that. But uh, David Gale, uh, from the time I met him, was always a big man. Back in the late 60s, he played football for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He was a lineman. He was just a big, big man from the very first time that our family met him. And so while that was almost 30 years ago, and he would have been in his early 40s, several years ago my parents relayed this story to me, that he decided it was time for him to lose some weight, simply because, again, just a big, big guy. So he decided that he was going to lose some weight, and he decided that he would take the route that many others before him had taken. He decided to call in to one of those numbers or call in to one of those companies where they prepare the meals for you and they send it to you and you eat whatever it is they send you. So if you think about that, here's what you know, that that takes a measure of faith in and of itself to call in to a company and say to them, here's my credit card number and I want you to mail me food. That takes a measure of faith, does it not? All right, so as the story unfolds and as the story progresses, here is what is shared or was shared with me as it related to whom I refer to as Coach Gell. All right, Coach Gell was sharing with my parents that his first shipment of food arrived, and whenever he opened up that first meal to eat, though he did not use these exact words, here is what happened a flood of doubt entered his mind. Keep in mind, he'd had enough faith to call them and to give them his credit card number and to let them ship that to their house. But as soon as he ordered it, or as soon as he opened it rather, this flood of doubt entered his mind, and here is how he expressed it. He said to my parents, he looked at this small portion of meat that they sent with this small portion of sides that they had sent to go with this meat. And here's what he said. That's not enough. That looks more like a snack than a meal for a man my size. So as he was looking at this prepared meal that was designed to help him lose weight, immediately he had in his mind, this is not enough, surely there's got to be more. And so in that moment, here is what he had to do. He had to decide, would he trust the process a little bit further and just eat that meal and see where it would lead him? Or would he follow through with his doubts and would he follow through with his speculations and eat that plus whatever sounded good? What was he going to do? The burden was now on him. It was now all on him. What is he going to do? Will this satisfy him? Will this be enough? Or was he going to let himself be convinced by his doubt that there was still more that was needed in order to sustain him? And so, as he made the decision, he made the decision to stick with it, just eat what they sent, and sure enough, the weight came off. Now that is just a story to kind of illustrate where we're headed, but this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 is where we're going to be, and some of you are very familiar with this portion of scripture. It's a story that is taught, I'm sure, many times over throughout the years by so many different people. But in Mark chapter 9, we're going to begin in verse number 14, where the story picks up here. It's a story about Jesus, of course, and it says in verse number 14, and when he came to his disciples, that being Jesus, he saw a great multitude about them or around them and the scribes questioning them. The idea here in verse number 14 is this is that the disciples obviously were separated from Jesus for some amount of time for reasons that are not specified in this immediate text. But nonetheless, they have been separated, and Christ has made his way to where the disciples are. There's a great gathering around the disciples, and the scribes are questioning or debating with the disciples. And in verse number 15, we read these words, And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, that being Jesus, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. So though the attention had been given to the disciples, though that is where the conversation was taking place, when the multitude recognized Jesus, he began to be the center of attention. And so it says in verse number 16 that he, Jesus, asked the scribes, What question ye with them? So here is Christ inquiring as to what's going on, what are they talking about, what are they discussing, what is the the subject of debate, And in verse number 17, it says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. So this man says to Christ, Christ, I have brought my son to your disciples, and he has a dumb or an unclean spirit. And the man begins to describe to Christ what the ramifications of this is, because in verse number 18, he says, And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So as Christ says in verse number 16, What's going on? What's taking place? What are you talking about? In verse number 17, the man explains Master, I brought my my son to your disciples. And this is what's happening with my son. So I want us to think about this for just a moment, what was happening. He said in verse number 18 that this unclean spirit or this dumb spirit, he said, it taketh him or it takes control over him and, and it tears him and he foameth and he gnasheth with his teeth and he pineth away or he, he it's shriveling him up, it's it's consuming him. Master, this is taking a toll on my son. I think any of us with children can understand the burden that this father was carrying. Here is a man who is watching his son with this unclean spirit, this dumb spirit in him, and it is causing his son to have these episodes, to have what we might refer to as violent seizures, things that would cause him to fall to the ground, to gnash his teeth, to foam at the mouth, all these different things, and the man says, Lord, I brought him to your disciples so that they might cast out this unclean spirit, but... Master, they could not do it. So in verse number 19, it says, He, that being Christ, answereth him, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. So in verse number 20, it says, And they brought him unto him, that being the child or the son to Christ, And it says, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. So as this son is brought to where Jesus is, the scripture lets us know that he begins having another seizure, another episode, another attack, uh, another uh, dealing with this unclean spirit. And I think if we used our imagination, I think most of us would assume and agree that this would have been a miserable sight to witness, would it not? We don't know how old this particular son was. Uh, we don't know at what stage of life he was in, according to the text. We don't know, but, but if you and I were witnessing something like this take place, I think you and I would have been bothered. I think we would have been disturbed. I think we would have been upset. And I think for many of us, there would have been a sense of urgency to address what was going on with the boy, would there not? There would be a sense of urgency. He's having another episode. He's having another fit. What's happened in the past is happening again. And though you and I might have a sense of urgency, though you and I might have a sense of distress about us, it says in verse number 21 that he, that being Christ, asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? So here's what Christ does. Rather than immediately addressing the situation, he turns and he looks to the Father and says, How long has this been going on? Now, I don't know about you, but to me, though obviously I am wrong because Christ is always right, to me, I'm thinking, Christ, this is not the time to get the medical history. It's happening again. Just take care of it. Just address it. Just fix it. But nonetheless, the father, it says, asked, or or he asked the father, How long has this been going on? And the father said, Of a child. So obviously this had been going on for quite some time. This has been going on uh, for, for, again, just some time. And in verse number 22, the father explains this. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters... To destroy him it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him so what has this unclean spirit done to this boy? well it says it, it's caused him to, to fall to the ground to, to tear at his body to cause him to gnash his teeth to foam at the mouth and the man says it's caused him to be, caused him to be cast into the fire and into the water to destroy him and so he says in verse number twenty two the Father does, he says, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Christ, if you can do anything for my son, please have compassion on us and do this. Can you sense the despair in the voice of the Father? Amen. <laughs> Christ, if you can, please just do something. So in verse number 23, Christ said, or Jesus did, in response to the man's plea, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. In verse number 23, what did Christ do? Well, in that moment, he put the burden back on the Father. You had enough faith to come to the disciples, seeing to, or, or hoping that they might be able to help, and you've explained the situation to me, and you've said to me, Jesus, if there is anything that you can do, please have compassion on us and, and help us. And so what Jesus said to him is this, Listen, if you believe, if thou canst believe, all things are possible... So the burden was now on the father. So in verse number 24 the words that many of us are familiar with it says in straightway the father of the child cried out. The father cried out. What does it mean to cry out? Well it doesn't mean to mumble. It doesn't mean to just kind of passively make a statement. There was a passion, there was a burning, there was a, a burden within the heart of this father. So in verse number 24, after hearing what Christ had said to him, it says, The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. What does it mean to believe? It means, Lord, I, I believe it's possible. I, I think this can be done. But at the same time, he said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So what does it mean whenever he says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief? It means this, Lord, I do believe, but at the same time I'm struggling to believe. Lord, I know it's possible, and Lord, I know that I exercised a portion of faith to even come to your disciples to see if they might be able to help him. But after they weren't able to help him, I've got to be honest and tell you that while I believe, I'm still struggling to truly completely entirely believe that it's possible and so as the burden was put back on the father the father was honest enough to admit yes i believe but i've got to be honest and tell you i'm struggling to to believe completely and entirely there is a part of me that is still struggling with my doubt understand this The father was admitting I am still struggling with a portion of doubt as it relates to whether or not you can fix the problem that is plaguing my son. So in verse number 25, the story continues. It says, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee come out of him and enter him, enter no more into him. And the spirit cried out of, uh, spirit cried out and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. So we understand that the Father got the healing for His Son, that the Son was going to be restored. We understand that. But here's what I want us to think about, again, by way of principle from the Scripture, that here is the Father confessing to Christ, I believe, but I am struggling to believe completely and entirely in the manner in which you're asking me to believe. I said a few moments ago, we're continuing our study of who is God. In the past, we have dealt with several different subjects. If you've been here, we've dealt with several different topics. You know this. And of the things that we've discussed and of the things that we have talked about, we have said these things of God, that God is our creator. It's an amazing thing to think about, is it not, that God created us? It really is an amazing thing. We've looked at the stories of how God is a provider. Is God a provider? The answer is absolutely, He is. God is a provider. We have talked about over the weeks how God is a source of comfort. In times of sorrow, in times of distress, in times of anxiety, God is a God of comfort. Maybe you remember this message. I, I hope that you do, but but God is the one who restores. When you and I have sinned, when you and I have failed, when you and I have, 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 have just fallen in our spiritual lives and we're not what we're supposed to have been, it is God and God alone who restores. It's God who is aware and cares for us. We talked about how God is the giver of salvation. It is God who is omnipotent, all-powerful. Is anything too hard for me? Are we hearing this? This is what, this is what God said. Is anything too hard for me? He is the all-knowing God. He is, he is all these things and so many other things that, that we have not discussed, that we hope to discuss and may not ever get to. God is all these things. And as I was preparing this week, as I was trying to give thought to, Lord, what would we have or what would you have for for me to bring to your people this week? I don't know how to explain this. I don't know why the Lord prompted me in the way that I believe he did. But it was like the Lord said this, and you understand, not in some weird, spooky way. But as I was praying, saying, Lord, I want to know what to bring to your people this week to to remind us of who you are. It was like the Lord said, you need to remind the people that I am enough. I am enough. What does it mean to be enough? Well, it means this, to be adequate for the wants or the needs of an individual. It means to be sufficient for a purpose to satisfy a desire. Whenever you think about who is God and the preacher says to you, well, he is enough, he is capable and he is adequate and he is sufficient for all these things, here's what I found my struggle to be. I found my struggle to be to go to one particular passage where I could preach to you from this one particular passage and say to you that God is everything you need and God is everything you will ever need. There are so many examples of it and yet it's hard to really boil it down out of one particular text. And so in somewhat of a feeble attempt, here's what I'm trying to remind us of based on everything we've looked at to this point and will continue to look at in the weeks to come. I want to remind us that no matter matter what we go through, God is enough, and God is adequate, and God is able to meet any need that we have to satisfy any desire that we may have. God is enough, and there is no need of anything else in our lives in addition to who God is. God is enough. When I need comfort, I don't need anything but God. Whenever I'm in need of direction, I don't need anything but God's direction. Whenever I am in need of restoration, the only one's restoration that I need is God's. Whenever I need help, the only one's help that I need is God's. The fact is, is that God alone is everything in my life that I need. You know where my struggle lies? I believe but help thou my unbelief. I'm kind of like a big guy looking at a small portion, saying, "I, I understand, but I'm struggling to believe that I don't need this plus. Have you ever been there? God I, I I need you to work and God I, I know that it is you that I need to work in this situation and yet what happens? I have this 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 rush of of doubt that not only do I need God but at the same time I, I probably need God plus something else and I've got to be reminded no the only thing I need is God in this situation. God, I need your comfort, and and, and so many times while I believe that, I struggle to have the belief that I know or that I really believe what it is I say I believe. Lord, you know all things. You you know everything about me. God, you know everything that's taking place in my life right now. I, I know you know that, but... But God, I believe that, but at the same time, I'm struggling to believe that, and so what do I do? Sometimes I I not only make God aware of my situation, but I make other people aware of my situation because it has to be God plus because sometimes, though I know it to be true, I don't really believe that God truly is enough. Some of you all are looking at me like you don't quite understand what I'm saying. I I I know I'm a flawed messenger this morning. I get it. I I do, but I want us to be reminded of this that God is adequate. And he's not just barely adequate. He is completely adequate. He's not just almost sufficient. He is the all-sufficient God so that no matter what I face, no matter what I deal with, no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, you and I need to be reminded that the God we serve is adequate for any situation we face. So there are times that we say, or at least I do, maybe not you, but there are times that that I would have to say, kind of like the Father in this scripture, Lord, I believe. But I'm struggling to believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I think in those moments, it's good for me to be reminded of this. See, in verse number 23, he said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Where did Christ shift the burden to? He shifted it back to the Father, did he not? Amen. I know. I know that I'm a fallen individual. You understand this? I know that I'm fallen, and, and, and lest you be confused, I know that you're fallen. Okay? We are a fallen people. And we're going to struggle with our belief, we're going to struggle with our confidence that God is enough, that He's powerful enough, that He really knows what's going on in our lives, that He really is aware, that He really cares, that He's really capable. And in those moments, I don't know for you, but I think for myself, I'm safe in saying this, that in those moments of doubt, it's not dependent upon God to necessarily confirm who he is, though he is gracious enough to do that sometimes, like he was with the Father. There are times that I need to understand the burden that is upon me to exercise more belief and more confidence and more faith in the one that I say I've got the confidence and the belief and the faith in. See, if we're not careful, let me rephrase that. If I'm not careful, I look at who God is, and that flood of doubt enters my mind, and the doubt says, Kyle, he's not enough. And if I'm not careful, then I can justify saying, you're right, he's not enough, and and I can assume that I'm okay in, in being doubtful of who God is. And it's in those moments I need to feel the burden and the responsibility to remind myself of what I know and when the doubt comes to remind myself and say, Kyle, no, he is enough. Amen. He is adequate enough. It doesn't matter what the, the, what the scoffer tells me. It doesn't matter what Satan tells me. It doesn't matter what my flesh is trying to convince me of right now. I need to feel the burden and the responsibility to remind myself, no, get it together. God is everything he says he is, and he is enough in this moment, in this situation, and I don't need anything else other than God right now. And so this morning, as I just stated a moment ago, I know without a doubt I'm a flawed messenger. Because I can say to you, God is enough, and you better get your act together, and how dare you doubt God, and I'm the one who has done it myself more times than I care to admit. But let's not fool ourselves this morning. So what do you mean? I I just mean this. It's very simple. There could be someone sitting here this morning, and you know all the right answers. You know that in this situation, God is enough. You know that in this situation, God is enough. You know that in this situation, God is enough. And yet, if you'd be honest this morning, you'd sit here and you'd say in your heart of hearts, you would say, I know that God is enough and I believe that, but at the same time, I'm still struggling to believe it. I believe it for a few minutes and then I doubt it for a while. I believe it for a little while. I get the victory and then it's like I wrestle with it some more. And and it seems to be this non-ending battle that I'm dealing with right now. I just want to say to you in the kindest of ways that I know to this morning, I would say to you what I need said to me from time to time. You need to get to the point in this particular matter, in this particular situation where you realize God is all you need and you don't need anything else. it's kind of interesting, maybe, it's kind of interesting that if we recognize that God is enough and that we don't need anything else, that God is sufficient and he is able to satisfy every desire and need that we have, it's amazing how he continues to prove himself over and over and over again. I was enough there, and I was enough right here, and I'm enough right here. And the more we experience it, the more we'll believe it in those times of doubt. But if we don't accept the responsibility that it is somewhat incumbent upon us to believe even when we're struggling, then we'll fail many times to get to that point where we recognize him to be all we need, And it'll be him plus something else and we'll never quite be satisfied like we desire to be satisfied. So I just ask you this morning, is there something happening in your life? Is there something taking place right now? And you know, you believe that God is enough, but you're struggling to really believe it? I just want to remind you, he is enough. He is everything you need. And by faith, you have to accept that and act upon it and then let God work on your behalf. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us. Lord, maybe not everyone struggles with this. This may not be a battle that everyone faces. But, Lord, for those in the room who can identify with this father who believed yet struggled, for those who may have heard my testimony of my struggles from time to time, if they hear that and they can identify with it, God, I pray that you would confirm in our hearts once more that you are enough. God, that we don't need you plus anything else. We simply need you and you alone, no matter what the situation is. And so, God, if there are some in here this morning and kind of like that father, they've been crying out, they've shed the tears, they've been weeping, and they've been struggling. God, I pray that today would be the day that you would remind them and that you would show them that you are enough, that nothing else is needed, and they can rest in that. And, God, should this be something we need in the future by way of a reminder, I pray and I trust that you would be faithful to bring this to our minds in the days to come when we would need this. So I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.